0: I'm delighted to welcome Bob Maley of Black Kite to this episode of CRO Wisdom. Bob, welcome to this episode.
1: Glad to be here. It's a pleasure.
0: So, Bob, let's first talk about um, your background. I think the audience would really appreciate it because you don't have a typical risk background. So, tell us a little <laughs> bit more about how you got here.
1: Uh, that's a long story, uh, but I'll try to make it short. Uh, you know, my I think my introduction to risk was uh, a long time ago in a, in a physical sense when I was a police officer. Uh, you know, we, we looked at uh, uh, instantaneous life and death risk situations Uh and, you know, I loved it. It was it, it was a great thing. Uh, but, you know, I, I went down into the computer line, not really as a risk professional. Uh, you know, I got involved in a technical fashion, software development, forensics. Uh, but as I, I kept getting exposed to different things uh, and moving through different organizations, uh, for instance, uh, uh, I, I, I think my first... Uh, touch on risk was when I was uh, uh, the coordinator for information technology at the Pennsylvania Healthcare Cost name Council, that uh, we started to have to look at the data that we collected, uh, and we had to analyze uh, a lot around privacy, uh, you know, the a, a risk base of, because uh, essentially we sold the data as well that we collected, um, and evaluating the risk of selling it to certain organizations. So, that's kind of how I I dovetailed into it, which led to uh, my big exposure to risk management was when I became the CISO at the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, I, I was responsible for all the governance, risk, and, and compliance efforts for the uh, entire Commonwealth, all uh, 47 state agencies uh, and, and commissions and boards. So that, that's really where I cut my teeth on it, uh, you know, learned about it uh, uh, after that. I kind of formalized it in a consulting way. I started, uh, that's my introduction into the financial world, uh, doing consulting with uh, uh, Wells Fargo. Uh, And, you know, I was already a member of ISACA, uh, Certified Information Security Manager. So I moved that into, uh, I got the, when the C-Risk certification became available, I, I, I certified there. Uh, which then you know, brought me into PayPal, into third-party risk. Uh, uh, you know, I built their global third-party risk management program, and that's kind of how I got here. It's a long story, but it took a long time.
0: Right. Now, I, so, Bob, I remember I met you when you were at PayPal. Talk a little bit about the role you serve today.
1: The role I serve today, Uh, I am the uh, chief security officer for Black Kite, um, and uh, it's a small tech startup. So, uh, I have uh, quite uh, a large department. There's three of us. So, there's me, myself, and I. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, I am the chief privacy officer, the chief risk officer, the the chief security officer, uh, all those things combined. Uh, So, it's... uh, a very different view of, of risk. Uh, yeah, I, I know, uh, you know, at PayPal, I got involved with uh, the mergers and acquisition programs, and it was some significant things. But uh, um, now it's, it's, it's still just as fun. Uh, but it's in, in a different scale.
0: Right. So Bob, talk to us about in this in business environment, kind of the, in this risk environment, what are your key priorities? What are you focused on?
1: Well, uh, ransomware, <laughs> uh, I, I think, and, and it's not just from what I read, it, it's what we see in our platform where uh, we do a lot of threat intel uh, collection and understanding uh, the, the bad actor point of view, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's what we do is, is we kind of think like the bad actors. And, you know, I, I learned this back in law enforcement. Uh, uh, it was a long time ago. And uh, we had bad actors then. Uh, they were looking to to do criminal activity to uh, get money, and nothing's really changed uh, since law enforcement days, other than uh, the tools and the methodologies that they do. Yeah, uh, you know, they always looked at what was the easiest, uh, most and, and uh, bad actors typically are risk averse, <laughs> uh, getting arrested. So they looked at, you know, how they could do the, the, the least risky ways of getting the biggest returns. And it's that way today. And I see, uh, you know, that, that I, I think ransomware is one of those things. And I, I, I think there's, there's something that's, that's changing and we've seen it with solar winds is that, uh the, going after third parties is not new re- relatively yeah. uh, it, it really started getting pe- people's attention uh you know with the uh, the target breach that uh, it, it was a, uh, a an attack of scale uh, that that i call it it was a uh, the bad actors i i don't believe started out looking at the target co- company as their primary uh, victim. Uh, yeah. They happened to compromise a, a small HVAC company in Pennsylvania uh, and they found some credentials that they thought, oh, well, what will these credentials get us into? And right. they, they saw what they could see and they go, oh, well, can we see more? And they they kind of leveraged that until they, they realized they could get into the development systems. Uh, and that's where they, they really uh, leverage their attack by installing their malware into their uh, update uh, for the uh, card readers at all their stores all over. Yeah. Uh, so they scaled it. And, uh, you know, SolarWinds, while it's a little different, uh, not really, uh, they saw a way that they could uh, compromise a third party that, had, uh, that would give them avenues into thousands of other organizations. So, you know, it's, it's those types of things. Those are for me, that's the biggest thing on my yeah. mind.
0: today. Yeah. So Bob, very clearly, if we think about kind of the set or the old risk management practices regarding third parties, they've been so focused on point in time assessments, you know, you and I've had many conversations about this and with John Bree, And COVID kind of made it even more clear how these assessments done a month ago, six months ago, 12 months ago, were not so relevant as, as things change and things continue to do that. Talk to us about your views on this. First of all, how can one be more continuous in their risk manage- management approach? And what do you see as kind of pros and cons of that? What, what is it solving? What challenges it might be creating?
1: Well, uh, yeah, point time in time—that's uh, yeah, obviously uh, six, seven, eight, nine years ago. That was pretty much how we did third-party risk. Uh, we sent out the questionnaires, we collected the artifacts, we looked at their SOC 2, other audit certifications, and you know the the big uh, issue with—and uh, I remember with, with some of the regulators—that uh, well, what's your program for reassessing? And so we had we had our vendors classified. We had the critical vendors and we reassess them once a year, Uh, the the medium vendors twice a year. And in the program, those low risk vendors uh, were every three years, which essentially never really happened. Uh, (laughs) Unless unless
0: there was a bad incident.
1: Yeah. If there's an incident, there's there's always a change when there's an incident that happens. But uh, you know, I, I, I look at that and and the move towards continuous monitoring and you know obviously uh, the bad actors are are very quick they're very agile. Um, there, there's you've heard me talk about uh, the OODA loop before the uh, yeah. uh, the strategic principles of observe, orient, decide, and act. And if you're executing your OODA loop faster than your competition, you're winning. And in this case, I think the bad actors, they execute that loop extremely fast. They are very agile. They don't have to go and get someone's approval uh, to try something. They just do it. If they see uh, something that's of value, the networks that they've created today, they don't have to learn new technologies. They go out to a uh, another branch of, of Crime Inc. Uh, and they hire some other bad actors who have an expertise uh, to be able to to uh, get through and and and, and uh, turn and monetize what they've discovered. So they're doing it. They're they they are constantly. I iterating and getting better, and that's where continuous monitoring, especially you know, not not just in a, an enterprise view, but in third parties, is, is critical. But but that also introduces a lot of challenges as well, and. Uh, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit specifically about cyber, yeah. uh, but, you know, very clearly uh, from my, uh, from a chief risk officer, cyber is not the only thing. Uh, there are uh, multiple other types of third party risk. Uh, but, you know, for me in the world I live in today with black Kite, cyber is our focus. Um, and I, I just, uh, Poneman just released a new report on, on threat intel. And, uh, you know, one of the, the things that I saw about that is that everybody believes that threat intel is extremely important, and it is. We all agree on that. Yeah. But the volume of data that you get, uh, open source intelligence, it's intelligence that you collect yourself, uh, you know, being able to do something with that, that volume of data, that's the challenge today. That's uh, in, in, in continuous monitoring, I think that's the biggest challenge.
0: Yeah, and Bob, I think that's the beauty of today's tools that are available. I was talking to Jim Routh, as you know, formerly at Aetna and Mass Mutual, and the ability to use data science and automation to actually take all these feeds and you can automate a significant amount of risk actions. I know when you think about cyber, you, you guys are doing that, right? That's an approach that I know you kind of think about and you take.
1: Well, exactly. That's one of the first things that we do, and one of the things that brought me to Black Kite uh, was uh, the introduction of something called FAIR, the Factor Analysis of Information Risk. In my my career, uh, you know, I was trained uh, to talk about risk in qualitative methods. Uh, you know, we're we're, we're technical. Uh, we understand high risk. We know if it's red, it's bad. Right. Uh, uh, but in reality, you know, that really isolates. Uh, the technical, the CISO that that thinks that way from the chief risk officer, because there's different languages. You know, the language of risk, uh, you know, outside of cyber is in business impact. Uh, And the ability to be able to communicate uh, cyber instead of in that old uh, qualitative way to be able to talk in in dollars and cents, Um, you know, that's uh, for me was the, the game changer that I got excited about to be able to, to scale that. I know uh, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a certified uh, uh, in fair. I've uh, done a lot of research on that. Uh, uh, we actually just uh, uh, we were awarded a patent last week about the process uh, that we do of, of collecting all those that Intel, all that data, and how we scale that and, and turn that into realistic, uh, probable financial impact that that just lets you make better business decisions. And that's why I'm excited about the industry, uh, you know, is, is adding that AI. And uh, there's other things that we're doing uh, around that because, uh, you know, I've been a practitioner, you know, I, I've, uh, I've managed 1400 assessments a year with 80 sites, And I know the volume uh, of information you just collect In an assessment process, you know, I'm going to collect your, um, uh, let's say I'm going to get your information security policies, I want to get your SOC 2, I want to get your uh, ISO certifications, Uh, I've I've collected all that information, and there's so much good uh, intel in those artifacts, but what do I do with it? Uh, when we had 294 assessments, we actually analyzed that information, uh, but when you, you scale the number of assessments that you have to do, but your team doesn't scale, uh, then it starts to become essentially you know, a checklist process that, uh, well, we're, we're going to trust that their SOC 2 auditor uh, you know, did a good job, but they're, they're, a SOC 2 report doesn't mean that they're 100% perfect in their controls, you have to understand where they're lacking in that SOC 2 uh, to, to make it valuable and being able to automate those types of things. I think uh, you know, for a chief risk officer or CISO, I think that's what's really valuable.
0: Yeah, Bob, one of the things that's always stood out for me about you is you, you don't think of this risk management role as a chief security officer, as a compliance officer. You think of that as an operations risk and resilience leader,
1: right? Absolutely. If you, if you don't, you're, you're, you're very narrowing and at some point it's going to come back on you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I know that because of past situations where uh, you know, going to a business unit and telling them that, oh, you, well, you really can't use this vendor because they're high risk. What does that mean? Well, (laughs) coming from a technical perspective, it totally goes over their head, and you lose the battle because there is a business value, an operational value to use that vendor. And unless I can talk in that language and help them bring them to uh, uh, the same understanding that I have, uh, that's the challenge. So yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah, you can't, can't be the chief resistance officer. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh that's good yeah it can't be the information security office of no <laughs>
0: yeah exactly so so bob uh, talk about very clearly cyber risk high priority right v- very clearly covid also opened companies eyes about thinking about supply chain perspective location risk talk about some of the other risk categories that you are seeing that you feel chief risk officers ought to be paying attention to
1: well, and I think COVID brought this one up too. It's, it's uh, financial stability of companies, having the ability to uh, understand uh, the changes because y- you can look at their, their annual report uh, and that's a snapshot. And you know, as, as you're a businessman, uh, you know how quickly things can change. Um, and these are all indicators that uh, you know, cyber may be good, But then if that financial stability or ability of that company uh, starts to degrade, that's naturally going to cascade. You know, cyber will become a victim of that at some point simply because of, uh, you know, uh, programs being cut. Um, You know, I remember in uh, 2008, uh, award-winning program, cyber uh, uh, security program uh, that I got approached. And I was advised that, well, your budget needs to be cut. And I know that you have a really capable, multi-layered uh, security approach, but you're gonna have to cut one of those layers because we, we don't have the budget. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, being able to see that ahead of time. So that's why, you know, the, the cascading financial, I think, is uh, that uh, solvency. That's 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 critical. And depending upon the nature of, of the company's uh, location risk as well. Uh, yeah. where, where are your suppliers located? Uh, uh, you know, I got exposed to that uh, back in PayPal that, uh, you know, one of the things that that I, I learned about resiliency uh, for call centers, for instance. So you know, the, the way that uh, PayPal, helped, they built a resiliency around that, that uh, for economies of scale, there's certain parts of the world where call centers are uh, easier to run. Uh, they're less expensive, the, the second level call center. Uh, but some of those parts of the world are uh, subject to different types of risk, Uh, political risk, uh, you know, political unrest or, uh, you know, if uh, it's not in in the Pacific, uh, uh, it's not a hurricane, uh, what is it? Typhoon. the typhoon, the typhoon. yeah, typhoon comes to Manila, and uh, you know the ability to be able to rapidly uh, have have uh, uh, move from one region to another part that's not subject to that same you know weather risk. So being able to understand all those types of things, and again, it it's we may not think that our business uh, has that kind of geolocation risk, uh, but in, unless we understand our critical vendors, you know what they're uh, supplying for us. And where they're located, we may be totally uh, central to North America, but we may have a supplier that isn't and if something happens to them in another part of the world that's important as well.
0: Yeah. So, Bob, one of the one of the other challenges that I see in the profession is that if you think about intelligence inputs regarding risk intelligence inputs into a company compliance has their own provider procurement has their own financial kind of health provider, cyber CISO office might have their cyber susceptibility. And then you might have you know another area now with ESG coming on board, ESG, somebody else is looking at it. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, when you're looking at your third party, you're not getting an integrated view. What, what are your thoughts on that, kind of pros and cons of that?
1: Well, it's, it's tough to get that integrated view. Um, simply because, in, in, especially in larger organizations, uh, a lot of times, there's those silos, the territories that uh, uh, you know. Resiliency may look at things in in one particular way. Uh, cyber looks at it in another. Procurement in another. Uh, and and they don't uh, sometimes don't don't play or work well together. Uh, it's one of the initiatives I got a chance to work on. A PayPal was uh, it, it was a, a, a multifunctional uh, third-party working group, risk working group that included all of those, uh, stakeholders. And, you know, through that process, it was, uh, the, the, uh, storming, uh, <laughs> you know, uh- understanding what those challenges were and why those different groups had different uh, uh, you know, reasons for wanting to do things, but then working through that. So you know, it, it, it's extremely valuable once you do that because then you get that bigger holistic picture. Um, but you know, learning how to do that, understanding why, but you know, it comes back to, uh, well, understanding what the business goal is of using third parties and it, and ultimately, everybody's going to have the same goal. Uh, you know, you know, resiliency obviously is that. Uh- uh, my critical vendors. Uh, if I lose one, I need to know which ones are resilient. But uh, cyber, on the other hand, they're 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 uh, more interested in well, we don't want our data being uh, uh, you know exfiltrated from a vendor. Uh, and and procurement, uh, they're concerned about the contracts. Uh, do we have the right contracts in place? Do we have a uh, uh, are are we uh, spreading out too many vendors? Should we concentrate vendors? or are they too concentrated? Uh, but the ultimate goal is. The bottom line for the business, and when we can understand that, I think it's a little bit easier path to bring those those disparate folks uh, into this into the same uh, program, so to speak.
0: Right. So exciting field. In fact, uh, Bob Bloomberg in a recent article said, you know, "Risk manager is a hot job." Uh, what do you think? <laughs>
1: Uh, I got to tell you a risk manager in a, in a uh, cyber tech startup I don't know if it's a hot job or not but it's exciting uh, you know it's uh, I've always been one of those folks that uh, I, I love building things I love building programs and when the program's built it's time to operationalize and run it uh, I love handing that off to someone else uh, but you know we have to look at the, at the way the world is today. And uh, you know, we, we've talked about it in the cyber world. Uh, you know, it all started out well. We have to have that hard, crunchy exterior. We can't let them inside. Um, and then we started realizing, well, yeah, they're going to get inside, so we have to have multi layers of defense. And then uh, we started realizing that, well, our ecosystem is bigger than just us. Uh, it's all the third parties. Uh, you know, so those things change, and and uh, we. If we can look at that in in a risk perspective, in being able to understand uh, what are the real risks, uh, what are the real impacts to our business, and that's why I think it, it makes that, uh, the CRO such a valuable role is if we, can, if we can speak in those languages that the business understands, that the board understands. Uh, you know, not only are we helping our career, but we're helping the business that we work for. And it's the combination of all those things that uh, uh, it just, I, yeah, I think it's exciting. I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah.
0: Hot, hot job and maybe also a hot seat.
1: Well, it's always a hot seat. Uh, you know, I've been a CISO. I know a CISO. That's, that's a hot seat. Uh, and, and I imagine the chief risk officer will be too, simply because uh, sometimes people like to to speak in absolutes. That uh, they, they want us to be uh, uh, prognosticators, that we can actually predict uh, what's <laughs> going to happen. Well, we can't predict, but we can, as, as, as a chief risk officer, we can understand what the, the likelihood, what the probabilities of risk are, uh, and help our business folks make better business decisions. And if we take that approach, I think maybe if we're doing it right, maybe the seat's not quite so hot. Right. <laughs> um, you know, uh, if we claim that we can we can predict risk, it might get hot.
0: Right. <laughs> so Bob, very clearly you have a growth mindset, excited to continue to learn. So what resources do you rely on to make yourself a better risk leader?
1: Well, one of the biggest resources, is shared assessments. Um, and it's it's not just the tools, uh, it's the learning they have, but what I find really valuable uh, is the the intellectual sharing that happens in the working groups, uh, in the meetings that, uh, you know, I, I, I know that our views can become rather narrow when we're only focused on our own little world um, and, you know, at PayPal, I had uh, the luxury of seeing a global view. Uh, you know, I, I worked with business units from all the different countries. And Australia, they look at the things very differently in Australia uh, than, than we do here and in Asia Pacific and in Germany. And, you know, I had the, those things then, but uh, now with shared assessments, that's uh, uh, one of those biggest things that, that I look at, you know, obviously... Uh, you know, I, I, there's a lot of leaders that I follow uh, that uh, thought leaders, uh, um, you know, Phil Venables, I love reading what he has to say about what's going on in the world, and, and others and it's just uh, trying to keep up that way. Um, it's, it's tough cause you have your day to day, uh, yeah, but you have to make sure that you are constantly exposing yourself to other frames uh, of reference, other, uh, uh, thought processes and other views. Uh, because if we lock ourselves into our, um, into our preconceived notions about what risk is, you know, that, that and I, I, it, it's interesting, I still run across folks that uh, risk matrices and, and the qualitative view, that's the only way to do it. Um, and uh, I've been there, um, so I understand why, but locking yourself into that, not looking further at better ways uh, to communicate to the business, uh, it, it's extremely important to keep that, right. keep your mind open.
0: Right, no, Bob, I think I totally agree. You know, even for myself for the last decade, shared assessment has been a great resource for me and serving on the board for those years, meeting people like you that bring all those views together and share so openly in these working groups has been, I think has been a gift for leaders like me. So Bob, a final question for you and thank you so much for making time for us. A final question for you, what advice would you give to future risk leaders as, as somebody who's interested in risk, wants to build a career, how should you think about their career, especially as they want to keep moving up?
1: Well, it's it's embrace change. Um, <laughs> I, I, I really think that's probably the, the number one thing is that uh, if you if you get into a static process. Uh, that you're really not going to advance because, you know, I, I talk about it. I, I, I look at the, the career advancement the same way as the uh, the OODA loop, observe, orient, decide, and act. Uh, and things change so quickly in the risk industry, uh, how we look at risk, what different risks are, uh, you know, uh, Thirteen months ago, uh, our, our view of third-party risk was very different than it is today. But having the willingness uh, to embrace change, I think you know that's probably the, the the biggest thing for somebody that wants to be a CRO. Uh, they, they should uh, if, if they're if they're dead set against change. In, in my view, it may not be the best uh, uh, career to get into.
0: Well, Bob Maley, Chief Security and Risk Officer of Eyed Black- Thank you so much for making time for us. Uh, Really appreciated talking to you. My pleasure.